Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep, quiet bedtime stories and meditations to help you fall deeply asleep. Well, the spring-like weather continues here on the mountain this week. It's been beautiful and warm in the afternoons, with an occasional hard freeze overnight. There's some rain in the forecast, though, and that would be just lovely. I know sometimes I sound like a broken record, but we sure could use some more rain this winter. This week, I've also had Bandit and Darla, my neighbor's dogs, staying here for a little bit. That's been lots of fun. We've taken some fun walks, and I put some video up on TikTok and Instagram, if you want to see it. I also got some feedback from a listener on last week's meditation, Tonglin Healing, it was called. They mentioned that it might be too much for some folks, and so I went back and made a few changes to it. I chose to practice that meditation last week because I wanted to tackle some of the fear and suffering that we have in ourselves and that's out in the world with a more direct approach. But I agreed with them that it could use some refining. So I went back and made a few changes. It's a bit lighter now and better for helping you to fall asleep. I left the soothing sound of the creek in the background, and it goes on for 15 minutes after the end of the meditation. So even if you don't want to try the meditation, you might enjoy fast-forwarding it 15 minutes in and just listening to the sound of the creek and letting it lull you to sleep. So thank you again to all of you out there who reach out to let me know what you like and what could be better. We sure are all in this together. I want to thank the folks who supported the podcast through the Patreon this week. Thank you, Malia, Christine, Serena, Kat, Patricia, Allie, and Harry. Thank you so much for your support. We're at just over 450 subscribers now and almost halfway to my goal of a 1,000 subscribers, so that I can make helping you fall asleep at night and find a little more peace during the day my full-time occupation. If the podcast helps you sleep, you can support it for less than $3 a month. And for your support, you'll get the new episodes of the podcast a day earlier without any ads or introductions. And you'll also get an immediate download of the entire audiobook of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. It's more than four hours long, and every chapter is a wonderful bedtime story all on its own. You can get this and the longer books I read serially on Listen to Sleep Plus on Wednesday nights when you support the podcast for $5 a month. When you subscribe to Listen to Sleep Plus, you get access to all the books I've read so far, like Peter Pan and the Children of Odin, a book of Norse tales, 
plus a chapter from the current book I'm reading every Wednesday. Right now, we're finishing up Winnie the Pooh. Soon, we'll be starting The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. For more information about all of this, you can go to listentosleep.com or you can click the link in the show notes. This week's story is a Scottish fairy tale with some tips on how to outsmart a witch. Let's take a deep breath. In and out. Letting go of the day, feeling yourself sink deep down into your mattress, the weight of gravity pulling you down. Another deep breath in and out. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, no one to be. This is your time, quiet time. One more deep breath in and out. If you get tired while I'm reading to you, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. Pinkle the Thief Long, long ago, there lived a widow who had three sons. The two eldest were grown up and though they were known to be idle fellows, some of the neighbors had given them work to do on account of the respect in which their mother was held. But at the time this story begins, they had both been so careless and idle that their masters declared that they would keep them no longer. So home they went to their mother and youngest brother, of whom they thought little, because he made himself useful about the house, and looked after the hens and milked the cow. Pinkle, they called him in scorn, and by and by, Pinkle became his name throughout the village. The two young men thought it was much nicer to live at home and be idle than to be obliged to do a quantity of disagreeable things they did not like. And they would have stayed by the fire till the end of their lives had not the widow lost patience with them and said that since they would not look for work at home, they must seek it elsewhere, for she would not have them under her roof any longer. But she repented bitterly of her words when Pinkle told her that 
he too was old enough to go out into the world, and that when he had made his fortune, he would send for his mother to keep house for him. The widow wept many tears at parting from her youngest son. But as she saw that his heart was set upon going with his brothers, she did not try to keep him. So the young men started off one morning in high spirits, never doubting that work such as they might be willing to do would be had for the asking as soon as their little store of money was spent. But a very few days of wandering opened their eyes. Nobody seemed to want them, or if they did, the young men declared that they were not able to undertake all that the farmers or millers or woodcutters required of them. The youngest brother, who was wiser, would gladly have done some of the work that the others refused. But he was small and slight, and no one thought of offering him any work. Therefore, they went from one place to another, living only on the fruit and nuts they could find in the woods, and getting hungrier every day. One night, after they had been walking for many hours and were very tired, they came to a large lake with an island in the middle of it. From the island streamed a strong light, by which they could see everything almost as clearly as if the sun had been shining, and they perceived that lying half hidden in the rushes was a boat. Let us take it and row over to the island where there must be a house, said the eldest brother, and perhaps they will give us food and shelter. And they all got in and rowed across in the direction of the light. As they drew near the island, they saw that the light came from a golden lantern hanging over the door of a hut, while sweet, tinkling music proceeded from some bells attached to the golden horns of a goat which was feeding near the cottage. The young men's hearts rejoiced as they thought that, at last, they would be able to rest their weary limbs. And they entered the hut, but were amazed to see an ugly old woman inside, wrapped in a cloak of gold which lighted up the whole house. They looked at each other uneasily as she came forward with her daughter, as they knew by the cloak that this was a famous witch. What do you want? asked she, at the same time signing for her daughter to stir the large pot on the fire. 
We are tired and hungry and would fain have shelter for the night, answered the eldest brother. You cannot get it here, said the witch, but you will find both food and shelter in the palace on the other side of the lake. Take your boat and go, but leave this boy with me. I can find work for him, though something tells me he is quick and cunning and will do me ill. What harm can a poor boy like me do to a great troll like you? answered Pinkle. Let me go, I pray you, with my brothers. I will promise never to hurt you. And at last the witch let him go, and he followed his brothers to the boat. The way was further than they thought, and it was morning before they reached the palace. Now, at last, their luck seemed to have turned. For while the two eldest were given places in the king's stables, Pinkle was taken as a page to the little prince. He was a clever and amusing boy who saw everything that passed under his eyes. And the king noticed this, and often employed him in his own service, which made his brothers very jealous. Things went on this way for some time, and Pinkle every day rose in the royal favor. At length, the envy of his brothers became so great that they could bear it no longer, and consulted together how best they might ruin his credit with the king. They did not wish to kill him, though perhaps they would not have been sorry if they had heard he was dead but merely wished to remind him that he was, after all, only a child, not half so old and wise as they. Their opportunity soon came. It happened to be the king's custom to visit his stables once a week, so that he might see his horses were being properly cared for. The next time he entered the stables, the two brothers managed to be in the way, and when the king praised the beautiful satin skins of the horses under their charge, and remarked how different was their condition when his grooms had first come across the lake, the young men at once began to speak of the wonderful light which sprang from the lantern over the hut. The king, who had a passion for collecting all the rarest things he could find, fell into the trap directly and inquired where he could get this marvelous lantern. 
send Pinkle for it, sire, said they. It belongs to an old witch, who no doubt came by it in some evil way. But Pinkle has a smooth tongue, and he can get the better of anyone, old or young. Then bid him go this very night, cried the king, and if he brings me the lantern, I will make him one of the chief men about my person. Pinkle was much pleased at the thought of this adventure, and without more ado, he borrowed a little boat which lay moored to the shore, and rowed over to the island at once. It was late by the time he arrived, and almost dark, but he knew by the savory smell that reached him that the witch was cooking her supper. So he climbed softly onto the roof, and peering, watched till the old woman's back was turned. When he quickly drew a handful of salt from his pocket and threw it into the pot. Scarcely had he done this when the witch called her daughter and bade her lift the pot off the fire and put the stew into a dish, as it had been cooking quite long enough, and she was hungry. But no sooner had she tasted it than she put her spoon down and declared that her daughter must have been meddling with it for it was impossible to eat anything that was all made of salt. Go down to the spring in the valley and get some fresh water, that I may prepare a fresh supper, cried she, for I feel half starved. But mother, answered the girl, how can I find the well in this darkness? For you know that the lantern's rays shed no light down there. Well, then, take the lantern with you, answered the witch. For supper I must have, and there is no water nearer. So the girl took her pail in one hand and the golden lantern in the other, and hastened away to the well, followed by Pinkle, who took care to keep out of the way of the rays. When at last she stooped to fill her pail at the well, Pinkle pushed her into it, and snatching up the lantern, hurried back to his boat and rowed off from the shore. He was already a long distance from the island when the witch, who wondered what had become of her daughter, went to the door to look for her. Close around the hut was thick darkness. But what was that, that bobbing light that streamed across the water? 
the witch's heart sank as all at once it flashed upon her what had happened. Is that you, Pinkle? cried she. And the youth answered, Yes, dear mother, it is I. And are you not a knave for robbing me? said she. Truly, dear mother, I am, replied Pinkle, rowing faster than ever for he was half afraid that the witch might come after him. But she had no power on the water, and turned angrily into the hut, muttering to herself all the while, Take care, take care, a second time you will not escape so easily. The sun had not yet risen when Pinkle returned to the palace, and entering the king's chamber, he held up the lantern so that its rays might fall upon the bed. In an instant, the king awoke, and seeing the golden lantern shedding its light upon him, he sprang up and embraced Pinkle with joy. Oh, cunning one, cried he, what treasure hast thou brought me? And calling for his attendants, he ordered that rooms next to his own should be prepared for Pinkle, and that the youth might enter his presence at any hour. And besides this, he was to have a seat on the council. It may easily be guessed that all this made the brothers more envious than they were before, and they cast about in their minds afresh how best they might destroy him. At length they remembered the goat with golden horns and bells, and they rejoiced. For, said they, this time the old woman will be on the watch, and let him be as clever as he likes. The bells on the horns are sure to warn her. So when, as before, the king came down to the stables and praised the cleverness of their brother, the young men told him of that other marvel possessed by the witch, the goat with the golden horns. From this moment, the king never closed his eyes at night for longing after this wonderful creature. He understood something of the danger that there might be in trying to steal it, now that the witch's suspicions were aroused, and he spent many hours making plans for outwitting her. But somehow he could never think of anything that would do, and at last, as the brothers had foreseen, he sent for Pinkle. I hear, he said, that the old witch on the island has a goat with golden horns. 
from which hang bells that tinkle the sweetest music. That goat I must have. But tell me, how am I to get it? I would give the third part of my kingdom to anyone who would bring it to me. I will fetch it myself, answered Pinkle. This time, it was easier for Pinkle to approach the island unseen, as there was no golden lantern to throw its beams over the water. But, on the other hand, the goat slept inside the hut and would therefore have to be taken from under the very eyes of the old woman. How was he to do it? All the way across the lake, he thought and thought, till at last a plan came into his head which seemed as if it might do, though he knew it would be very difficult to carry out. The first thing he did when he reached the shore was to look about for a piece of wood, and when he had found it, he hid himself close to the hut, till it grew quite dark and near the hour when the witch and her daughter went to bed. Then he crept up and fixed the wood under the door, which opened outwards, in such a manner that the more you tried to shut it, the more firmly it stuck. And this was what happened when the girl went as usual to bolt the door and make all fast for the night. What are you doing? asked the witch, as her daughter kept tugging at the handle. There is something the matter with the door. It won't shut, answered she. Well, leave it alone. There is nobody to hurt us said the witch, who was very sleepy. And the girl did as she was bid and went to bed. Very soon they could both be heard snoring, and Pinkle knew that his time had come. Slipping off his shoes, he stole into the hut on tiptoe, and taking from his pocket some food of which the goat was particularly fond, he laid it under his nose. Then, while the animal was eating it, he stuffed each golden bell with wool, which he had also brought with him, stopping every minute to listen, lest the witch should awaken and he should find himself changed into some dreadful bird or beast. But the snoring still continued, and he went on with his work as quickly as he could. When the last bell was done, he drew another handful of food out of his pocket and held it out to the goat which instantly rose to its feet and followed Pinkle, who backed slowly to the door, 
and as soon as he got outside, he seized the goat in his arms and ran down to the place where he had moored his boat. As soon as he had reached the middle of the lake, Pinkle took the wool out of the bells, which began to tinkle quite loudly. Their sound awoke the witch, who cried out as before. Is that you, Pinkle? Yes, dear mother, it is I, said Pinkle. Have you stolen my golden goat? asked she. Yes, dear mother, I have, answered Pinkle. Are you not a knave, Pinkle? Yes, dear mother, I am, he replied. And the old witch shouted in a rage, Ah, beware how you come hither again, for next time you shall not escape me. But Pinkle laughed and rode on. The king was so delighted with the goat that he always kept it by his side, night and day. And as he had promised, Pinkle was made ruler over the third part of the kingdom. As may be supposed, the brothers were more furious than ever and grew quite thin with rage. How can we get rid of him? said one to the other. And at length they remembered the golden cloak. He will need to be clever if he is to steal that, they cried with a chuckle. And when next the king came to see his horses, they began to speak of Pinkle and his marvelous cunning, and how he had contrived to steal the lantern and the goat, which nobody else would have been able to do. But as he was there, it is a pity he could not have brought away the golden cloak, added they. The golden cloak? What is that? asked the king and the young men described its beauties in such glowing words that the king declared he should never know a day's happiness till he had wrapped the cloak round his own shoulders. And, added he, the man who brings it to me shall wed my daughter and shall inherit my throne. None can get it save Pinkle, said they, for they did not imagine that the witch, after two warnings, could allow their brother to escape a third time. So Pinkle was sent for, and with a glad heart he set out. He passed many hours inventing first one plan and then another, till at last he had a scheme which he thought might prove successful. 
thrusting a large bag inside his coat, he pushed off from the shore, taking care this time to reach the island in daylight. Having made his boat fast to a tree, he walked up to the hut, hanging his head and putting on a face that was both sorrowful and ashamed. Is that you, Pinkle? asked the witch when she saw him, her eyes gleaming with anger. Yes, dear mother, it is I, answered Pinkle. So you have dared, after all you have done, to put yourself in my power, cried she. Well, you shan't escape me this time. And she took down a large knife and began to sharpen it. Oh, dear mother, spare me, cried Pinkle, falling on his knees and looking wildly about him. Spare you indeed, you thief. Where are my lantern and my goat? No, not. There is only one fate for robbers. And she brandished the knife in the air so that it glittered in the firelight. Then, if I must die, said Pinkle, who by this time was getting really rather frightened. Let me at least choose the manner of my death. I am very hungry, for I have had nothing to eat all day. Put some poison, if you like, into the porridge, but at least let me have a good meal before I die. That is not a bad idea answered the woman. As long as you die, it is all one to me. And ladling out a large bowl of porridge, she stirred some poisonous herbs into it and set about work that had to be done. Then Pinkle hastily poured all the contents of the bowl into his bag and made a great noise with his spoon, as if he was scraping up the last morsel. Poisoned or not, the porridge is excellent. I have eaten it every scrap. Do give me some more, said Pinkle, turning towards her. Well, you have a fine appetite, young man, answered the witch. However, it is the last time you will ever eat, so I will give you another bowlful. And rubbing in the poisonous herbs, she poured him out half of what remained, and then went to the window to call her cat. In an instant, Pinkle again emptied the porridge into the bag, and the next minute, he rolled on the floor, twisting himself about as if in agony, uttering loud groans all the while. Suddenly, he grew silent and lay still. 
Ah, I thought a second dose of that poison would be too much for you, said the witch, looking at him. I warned you what would happen if you came back. I wish all thieves were as dead as you. But why does not my lazy girl bring the wood I sent her for? It will soon be too dark for her to find her way. I suppose I must go and search for her. What a trouble girls are. And she went to the door to see if there were any signs of her daughter. But nothing could be seen of her, and heavy rain was beginning to fall. It is no night for my cloak, she muttered. It would be covered with mud by the time I got back. So she took it off her shoulders and hung it carefully in a cupboard in the room. After that, she put on her clogs and started to look for her daughter. As soon as the last sound of the clogs had ceased, Pinkle jumped up and took down the cloak and rode off as fast as he could. He had not gone far when a puff of wind unfolded the cloak and its brightness shed gleams across the water. The witch, who was just entering the forest, turned round at that moment and saw the golden rays. She forgot all about her daughter and ran down to the shore, screaming with rage at being outwitted a third time. Is that you, Pinkle? cried she. Yes, dear mother, it is I. Have you taken my gold cloak? Yes, dear mother, I have. Are you not a great knave? Yes, truly, dear mother, I am. And so indeed, he was. But all the same, he carried the cloak to the king's palace, and in return, he received the hand of the king's daughter in marriage. People said that it was the bride who ought to have worn the cloak at her wedding feast, but the king was so pleased with it that he would not part from it, and to the end of his life was never seen without it. After his death, Pinkle became king, and gave up his bad and thievish ways, and ruled his subjects well. As for his brothers, he did not punish them, but left them in the stables, where they grumbled all day long.